Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Pittsburgh Steelers have, have been active in free agency and especially at the linebacker position where not only did they get two guys, but they let go of the guy who led the team in tackles last year in Miles Jack. To talk about me with that is Brian Batgard, Steelers beat writer. I'm your host, Chris Carter of the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll talk about that, where the Steelers have been on pro days. They visit Ohio State on Wednesday, another in the long list of places that the top brass have visited and how it impacts their draft plans or at least the outlook on them. We'll talk about all that more right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Brian Batko, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can get all of our content at post gazette.com where we're covering everything not just sports but all the news that you need to get in the, in the greater pittsburgh area also if you want to subscribe to this show you can do so on all your favorite podcasting apps but especially on youtube like this video if you enjoyed it on youtube subscribe to this youtube channel to get all of our monday wednesday friday episodes and the, all the daily content that doesn't just involve this show but all of the different shows that we do here for the pittsburgh post gazette thanks for tuning in again we've got brian back and brian i was out in I was out gallivanting across the country covering ACC tournaments and March Madnesses and all and combines and stuff. Meanwhile, you guys were pretty busy here watching all the changes that the Steelers front office went went through, and it seemed like you you didn't have too much time to slow down yourselves. Yeah, I mean it's been uh it's been a busy week or so of of free agency. It seems like now here on Wednesday, maybe things are gonna slow down a little bit. You know, they haven't officially announced the DeMonte KZ re-signing yet. I assume that's that's a formality. But uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, everybody's in the fold and maybe they'll make some more uh, kind of minor moves. But it, it seems like it's, you know, it continues to be a big topic of discussion among Steeler Nation. I put a tweet out there the other day that essentially listed all their outside free agent signings from this time last year versus this year and asked if people think the Steelers are being more aggressive or if it's just been business as usual. And Honestly, I think the responses are kind of split 50-50. So uh, that that makes for an easy – actually, if you can see this glass, it says half empty or half full. That's kind of that's kind of the uh, – and also I'm going to take a sip of coffee when I'm done talking. But also that's kind of uh, illustrating, you know, what Steelers fans are seeing right now when they look at this approach to the offseason. I agree with that, that there's always a split because people are going to feel how they're going to feel about different free agent signings. I've talked about the offensive line and stuff with Ray Fittipaldo. We did that uh, a lot on Monday and Friday. I wanted to talk to you about the linebackers because you wrote a piece uh, for the Post-Gazette about Landon Roberts and what he brings to the Steelers outside of just his skill set as a, as a linebacker, but also as his experience with the Patriots and how he kind of came up in the NFL and what he brings to the table for the Steelers. The Steelers made a pretty much a, a wholesale change in their linebacker core. Miles Jack has been cut. Devin Bush was let go at free agency. He's or he's now with the Seahawks. Um, Wearing a big hat. What'd you say? 
wearing a big hat. Did you see the hat he was wearing when he signed with the Seahawks? Oh, I, I missed this picture. Was he wearing you got it. really like, like a lot of players are doing that? And that's a trend I do not get. I try to keep up on stuff, but when players do stuff like that, I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. It's, what's happening. it's like a beanie, but he kind of had like he's got a little bit of a fro, so it's like a beanie that is wide enough to cover his fro. It's it's not quite the draft night suit for Devin Bush, but it was a it was an interesting fashion choice all the same in his first day as a Seahawk. I guess that's that kind is, of his thing. That is interesting. But he's with the Seahawks. Robert Spillane is with the Raiders. And so all you have left is Mark Robinson, which means Omar Khan and Andy Waddle had to get busy. They went and brought in Landon Roberts from the Dolphins, also formerly from the Patriots. They also went and got Cole Holcomb from the Washington Commanders, both guys who wore captain patches on their chests last season for their respective teams. But part of what you talk about with Landon Roberts is that captain experience or like that camp that captain like mentorship level that he had for the Dolphins it's something he picked up from the Patriots and I think it could be vital for the Steelers as they try to rebuild their linebacker group yeah I mean it's interesting Chris I think you just look at the production alone and what the Steelers linebackers did and more specifically did not do on the field last year I mean we've we've been over it many times uh, zero takeaways for that group combined. I mean, maybe part of that is how they were being asked to play, but I, I wouldn't say there were a ton of uh, you know big hits against the run or anything like that either. It just seemed like with the lack of production from that group, Steelers front office and, and coaching staff kind of just said, look, everything must go. <laughs> Other than Mark Robinson, everything must go. We, we need to, uh, to, to make this over here um, you know, by necessity, by choice, whatever you want to say. And that, that has been how they've approached things this offseason. And when you look at, you know, the, the, the linebacking core, really since the Ryan Shazier injury, I mean, it just seems like there hasn't been a true leader among that group. Or I guess I should say since Vince Williams abruptly retired a couple years ago. I mean, he was initially released and then yeah. was going to come back. And then if you remember, he didn't right before training camp decided, uh, I'm, I'm done with football, basically. Since his departure, you know, there hasn't been a clear-cut leader in that group. I, you know, I think Miles Jack, he was a veteran. He brought some much-needed experience and seasoning to the linebackers last year. But I think he was kind of along for the ride in a way. And, you know, he was decent, but obviously couldn't stay healthy and, um, you know, wasn't playing at the same level by the end of last season. So they, their backloaded contract uh, allowed them to get out from under him, and they did. Cole Holcomb, I think, is going to be the green dot every down guy, provided that he's healthy, and I have no reason to think that he isn't after passing his physical. So that's what they're going to want to see out of him. And now, you know, that brings us to, like you said, Landon Roberts, who I wrote about on Monday after he did a pretty lengthy Zoom call with us, which is always appreciated. Uh, a guy comes into a new team, and he's willing to sit down with the media in person or, or otherwise and uh, kind of explain his uh, his thinking, taking the Steelers. He was really high on Mike Tomlin. But what I was most struck by was he's kind of going to bring a grown man mentality to the middle of the defense, which I just don't think they've they've had. Now, I don't think he's going to be playing every snap. I think his skill set, such as it is, you know, he's going to be in a box a little bit, literally and figuratively. I think he'll be first and second down, uh, play against the run, get off blocks and smash people. Mike Tomlin's been looking for a linebacker like that for I don't know how long at this point. So, um, yeah, so I think Roberts is, you know, he's a stopgap. He's not going to be some long-term solution. I don't even know that he'll be here a year from now because it's yet another, you know, backloaded deal that the Steelers hand out to a player who's who's probably closer to the end of his career 
than the beginning. But, you know, he's got an attitude and a mentality that was shaped in the NFL by those Patriots teams where he won two Super Bowls. Players like Dante Hightower, who literally just retired uh, yesterday. Uh, the McCourty brothers, obviously, you know, Bill Belichick from the top down there. Brian Flores was very influential when he landed Roberts and eventually wanted to bring him over to Miami, which he did. So I think that could be a good thing uh, just, you know, just from a locker room and, and meeting room perspective, even if he's not going to be somebody who is a huge upgrade in, in terms of what he's bringing to you on the field. Although he could be. We'll see. Again, glass half empty, glass half full. I'm going to take another sip. There you go. Take another sip of the coffee so you can keep getting juiced up. But, uh, Brian, I, I think it's I think it's another thing to look at here is also what you talked about earlier about Miles Jack and how he was brought in and like he was fine. He wasn't a bad player for the Steelers. He led them in tackles, and I think he was a splashy signing when they made it last year. Much much bigger name at this time last year than Cole Holcomb or Elandon Roberts. Let's just be honest about that. Absolutely, and in that way, he was a disappointment, especially because. He was making a whole bunch of money, and if the Steelers hadn't let him go, he, I think he was what a thirteen million dollar cap hit. Yeah, yeah, year. I think so. That it's you can't spend thirteen million dollars on a defensive player that doesn't create turnovers in in the in this in this system or is, isn't a sack producer. And if, if you're not if you're doing something like that, I, I think that that's uh, that's going backwards. And I think that's what the Steelers are looking at. So instead of keeping Miles Jack, the Steelers went and got two linebackers that can kind of fill the role of being just the, hey, you're just here to stuff the run, be responsible, don't be like way out of your gaps, and you'll kind of be those guys over the middle. I want to talk with Brian Moore in a minute about what that means for what the Steelers are trying to do on defense, not just at linebacker, but as a whole, and what they might be doing with the NFL draft. Plus, we'll have some pro day talk. Stick with us. We'll be right back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with our Steelers beat writer, Brian Batko. Brian, when the Steelers bring in those li- the linebackers that they have, but they haven't brought in anyone else, one, they could bring someone else if they wanted, and they could even do so after the NFL draft. But I do think it leaves the door open for getting another linebacker in this NFL draft class, though notably, notably a lot of people have said this isn't the best linebacker draft class. But I think there's a there's a good group of guys that they could get potentially with a day two pick, uh, namely Jack Campbell of Iowa, uh, Dion Henley of Washington State, uh, Drew Sanders of Arkansas, Trenton Simpson of Clemson. Those are four of the bigger names that I've, that I've kind of kept an eye on in this draft class. But with these two guys being more like run heavy type of off ball linebackers, are the Steelers kind of resigned to needing you know, a guy that's going to help more in coverage, or should they kind of just make that hey? When you come and play off-ball linebacker for the Steelers, you're thumpers, you're going in, you're stuffing the run, and we'll let the secondary handle the coverage part. Yeah, I mean, I, and even adding Mark Robinson to that, you know, I think he is, right. is much more see-ball, get-ball, and he's yeah. he's on the undersized side of things like Elandon Roberts. I think that's enough, you know, I think E-Rob, I don't know if anybody calls him that, uh, but I think <laughs> E-Rob can mentor Mark Rob in this linebacker group. Maybe they still think Mark Robinson is a year away. Or, you know, what's the famous uh, NBA draft Fran Priscilla comment? This guy's a year away from being a year away. Um, you hope that's not the case with Mark Robinson because then he's basically going to be uh, on his way out before he ever develops. But they knew he was a project. He's uh, a seventh-round draft pick. You don't bank on anything there. I think they threw him in at the end of last season more so out of necessity than anything else. But um, I'm not giving up on, on Mark Robinson just yet. However, to your point, Chris, 
if he does get a larger role, it's not going to be as a you know a coverage linebacker that you trust in all situations. I don't think. Maybe they they envision that for Holcomb, even though his coverage grades haven't been great either. But he's got a little bit, you know, he's a little taller. I think he's six one, uh, a little more athletic. At least his his pedigree uh, coming out of North Carolina blew it up at his pro day five years ago now. So um, if not him, then yeah, I think that's where you have to look at in this draft. You know, Jack Campbell. I, he's a difficult evaluation. He's six five, and you know he's. He's an Iowa guy where they all kind of play in a phone booth there, right? So, yeah, um, so I don't know that he would be a, a great addition. You know, Trenton Simpson's really athletic uh, coming from Clemson, but, um, you know, I think there are some coverage concerns with him as well. And Drew Sanders is another bigger guy. Um, you know, Henley's interesting. He's a former wide receiver converted to linebacker, so he should have a little bit of that mirroring ability when you talk about matching up with, with tight ends or even occasionally slot receivers if you get thrown into – that role, you know, Henry To'o To'o from Alabama is another name that I think is is somewhat intriguing. He's not a bigger guy. If he shows that uh, that he can run, you know, maybe that's somebody that'll be on their radar in the middle rounds. But I don't think they have to add necessarily to this group through the draft. I think they've they've made some hole uh, some moves to fill holes there. Uh, it's not as big of a need as it was going into free agency. It's just going to be a matter of can they finally hit on a couple of these veteran evaluations you know they've they've tried and failed with the likes of John Bostick and Joe Schobert and Avery Williamson and Mark Barron so um so it'll be in Miles Jack most recent uh it'll be curious to see do they continue to use these guys in the same roles or you know could they take a step back Mike Tomlin Terrell Austin the brain trust and say how much do we want to revamp things defensively can we start using Terrell Edmonds if we re-sign him in a role like that, um, you know, what, what can we kind of do with our nickel and dime sub packages to limit the exposure of these linebackers? Those would be much more schematic changes, but you know, you've got to adapt to your personnel, the old paint the barn red adage that Mike Tomlin likes to espouse so often. No, I agree. Part of, I think the best coaching is the kind of coaching that, that warps their, 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 their coaching around the players that they have. They try to you know raise them up, do try to make them better, but also, recognize when you are trying to teach an old dog new tricks um, and, or trying to fit a, a round peg into a square square hole. But I think we're both on the same page here. There's a lot of doors the Steelers could open with this NFL draft class. And what the Steelers have done in free agency has allowed them to kind of look at like, okay, cornerback, you don't necessarily need a quarterback right away to just field a team this year, but you'd like to get one because you'd like a younger guy to be on your roster who could maybe become Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. The torch bearing, like we represent, you know, the, the good Steelers cornerbacks of the, of the future. You you, know, you don't necessarily need a linebacker, you know, with your first or second pick, but you'd like one to have a young guy who could, you know, pick up wherever Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts eventually leaved off. Defensive line, even I'd say, like you know, you signed Larry Ogunjobi, great, and you have him and Cam Hayward, and you have Demarvin Leal coming back, but 
you still want to find out who's going to be the next big bruiser of the defensive line in the Steelers. Steelers history. And I think that's what's very interesting is right All those now. positions, Chris, are structured now in, in somewhat of a similar way. Like mm-hmm. in the corner group, you know, Patrick Peterson is your vet. Levi Wallace is kind of your in-between guy. Anakella Witherspoon, if you want to put him in there. And then James Pierre is like your lottery ticket. You know, he just re-signed on Tuesday. Linebacker, you know, Cole Holcomb, I think is, you know, he's clearly the guy right now. Um, Elandon Roberts is in that middle tier. And then Mark Robinson is is your late round flyer. And then on the D-line, Cam Hayward is, you know, kind of aging out to some extent. But Larry Ogunjobi and in, in DeMarvin Leal are in the middle there. And then you've got Isaiah Loudermilk, who's like kind of on the periphery, um, not somebody you're going to bank on. Maybe you think you can upgrade. So that's that's a good point that, you know, I, I think all those – Groups are in a similar bucket as we go into the draft, but positional value-wise, I mean, corner and D-line are are much higher uh, in, in most years, I would say, than inside linebacker. Right, and I think that that's where the Steelers could look, look at and say, hey, we can go these directions. But again, I think this is the situation they put themselves in. They are not... Like when we'll talk about their pro day visits in the next segment, but there's this is the, we've been, you've covered the Steelers in years past where it was like last year they're looking at quarterbacks they're going to probably take a quarterback the year before that they're looking at running backs they're probably going to take Najee Harris not even running backs they're probably going to take Najee Harris there's been years when you know it's been kind of predictable I mean heck the story about you know the Bengals jumping ahead of them to get William Jackson the third way back in what was that 2016 NFL draft yeah. Uh, they've been in positions where it's kind of been like, Hey, there's a specific need that we didn't get to address in free agency. So now we're going to go out and do that. And that's how the Steelers, they think sometimes. And, I think uh, they've also tried to get away from that too. In recent years, like, you know, yes. last season, Montrevious Adams, they re-sign him and it's kind of like, all right, he's not necessarily a starter type of player, but he, he makes it less obvious that they have to go oh, use okay. an early pick on a D lineman. Yeah. Or, you know, a couple years ago, uh, you know, signing Dante Moncrief made it a little uh, less that you had to go get a receiver immediately. They still drafted one early in the third round with Deontay Johnson, but it allowed themselves to be in a position where, yeah, they could uh, go by the player's talent or value uh, rather than anything else. So uh, I think that's that's what I'm seeing right now with this roster, even you know, tackle. Um, you've got two starters coming back there, so it's not imperative that you go draft one. In the first round, I, I think they've set themselves up to be in a position here where they can build a draft board in Andy Weidel's uh, first, you know, first season as assistant GM that they can give guys pretty much true grades and basically stick to it as the first round plays out uh, that Thursday night, and you know, let their their highest graded player fall to them and not feel like they have to reach for a certain position over another one. I think that's certainly worth it. What they're going to do. You know, and I think it'll be interesting to see where linebacker falls on that. And there's also the you know the very real situation where they get to the draft and they realize, well, we didn't get the guys that we thought we could at these positions. Let's go and sign this person who's still available in free agency. Uh, you know, they did that last year with Larry Ogunjobi, I would say. Exactly, Ogunjobi, and and not that an Ogunjobi pops up every year where a guy who was originally signed to a really good contract. Yes, failed his physical, and then eventually he was available to you. Not that that's going to be a thing, but there are there there are still free agents that you that, that are out there that I think will be out there after the NFL draft, and someone that and, and something that the Steelers 
could take a look at. And again, not as game changer type of guys, but got depth guys who like Roberts, like Holcomb could bring in solid experience and help you kind of just not have major liabilities at those positions. But of course they want to hit on their players in the NFL draft so that they don't have to worry about that as much, but who are they visiting on their pro days? Now that the combine's done, all the colleges are rolling out their pro days. The Steelers have made several visits with their top brass and usually those are signs of where they're looking in the first round. We'll talk about all their visits right here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter and Brian Backo, we'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Brian Batko, our Steelers beat writer. Brian, let's talk about these pro day visits that the Steelers have been on. It's been like it's been it's been a rush to see all the teams they've they've been to, but uh, they've been to Clemson, where they got to see Brian Brze and Trenton Simpson, Trenton Simpson. They went to Georgia, where they got to see uh, Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington, Jalen Carr. Everybody, you know, at Georgia just has so many talented guys. They've been to Michigan. Uh, they've been to both Iowa and Iowa State, and of Wednesday, they've also visited Ohio State and. Now you're start you're seeing across the board like okay they're getting looks at these different guys. I, I think this goes back to what we were saying that this this isn't an obvious like here's where they're looking type type of situation. But of those schools, there's a lot of interesting players that you could pick out. You know, uh, Lucas Van Ness from from I from Iowa. Um, you could you could pick out of course uh, at Michigan Mazai Smith, a defensive line prospect there. Trenton Simpson. Uh, a linebacker out of out of Clemson. Uh, but to me, Broderick Jones and Donnell Washington are a very interesting group of guys that they could get either of if they were if they were able to fall down to them. At and Keely Ringo, who I think is a prospect who people are kind of all over the board. That's somebody you'd want to get a little up close look and and probably spend some time with to figure out. You know, are you uh, are you a project or are you somebody who can play right away? Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to get a sense from you. Are there you've you've been doing you've been keeping an eye on the draft, keeping an eye on the Steelers, and kind of messing around with mock drafts? Are there is there anybody that you think that is kind of that are that went to those schools that you think that these could be the guys that the Steelers are actually going to look at while everyone's talking about each school's biggest star? Yeah, I guess you know the Iowa schools stand out because, and I don't think this is some sort of like mystical deal. I think the Steelers probably get the pro day schedule in early March or whatever and decide, all right on this day, this is the school that has the most guys who are draft, you know, draft worthy. Um, if it's a day where there isn't one, uh, then, you know, you, you kind of just decide who has the best player that day. So, you know, Iowa state being there on, on Tuesday, I think there's really only one guy firmly on the radar, Will McDonald edge rusher. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably a second or third round type of guy, but I'm starting to see some buzz for him going in the first. I don't think the Steelers would, use a day one uh, or maybe even necessarily day two pick on an edge rusher when they've got TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, but it doesn't hurt to do your due diligence on him. If there were really no other schools popping off the, the page that day and you were just there in the state the day before at Iowa. And speaking of the Hawkeyes, you know, I don't think that they were just out there to eat corn or whatever people eat. What do people eat in Iowa? I guess corn, is that more of a Nebraska thing? I think that's, I think that is more of a, a Nebraska thing. Were you just anti-Iowan? No, I, I don't have anything against <laughs> Iowa, but I just don't know what they're, uh, you know, like if they were in Wisconsin, I'd say they're not just there to eat cheese, or if they were scouting um, the Idaho Vandals, I would say, okay, what do we got? 
I just Googled food Iowa is famous for. Iowa is known for sour cream raisin pie. What in the world is that? I don't close, even... that close that tab immediately. Close <laughs> that tab. Actually, throw your computer in the trash. See, I'm just kidding. This show's over with sour cream. What is, if someone is listening to this show? Please Twitter us something. I just, I am out of, no, we're never going to, I'm so glad that I didn't have to cover March Madness in Des Moines, Iowa, where I would have had to try. Is this an elaborate internet prank? It has to be. I had, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to try this again. Food is going to do the same thing, but oh my gosh. Anyways. Okay. So they, they weren't there to eat sour cream raisin pie. I'm pretty confident Iowa of that. Balls. What? Ruse. Iowa handballs, scotcheroos, made right sandwiches, made M-A-I-D, right sandwiches, steak to burgo, taco pizza, Snickers salad? What is, what is going on in Iowa? <laughs> wow. Okay. I didn't think we'd be going down this path. Um, we have that... gone off the rails about a food that Iowa is famous for. But Jeez. to the point, there are some good players there that the Steelers are looking Yeah. For. Assuming they weren't there to eat handballs, um, they were probably there to see – the draft eligible players from the the Iowa Hawkeyes, Lucas Van Ness. I mean, he you have to think he's been on the Steelers' radar since the great Ray Fittipaldo mocked him to them uh, in his first iteration of a mock draft this year. And yeah, he could be that five technique to replenish the depth in the defensive line pipeline. The other guy, and we we mentioned Jack Campbell earlier. I mean, he he's an inside linebacker named Jack who plays in black and gold. So you have to think uh, there's there's some connection. Yeah, some cosmic connection to him. But the other guy I think is kind of under the radar, and he's in, you know, maybe definitely not the first tier, maybe not even the second tier of corners in this draft. But Riley Moss is somebody who, uh, you know, was a pretty good player at the collegiate level. Uh, he's got a good athletic score, and we know the Steelers, you know, they like to look at those spark scores, the RAS relative athletic scores, and, and he did pretty well for himself at the combine. I, as I recall, he's somebody who almost came out this time a year ago, but returned for his, his final season of eligibility. So if, if they don't, if it doesn't work out to where they get a corner in the first, second, maybe even the third round, because say they go D-line, tackle, um, receiver, or inside linebacker or something like that, maybe Riley Moss could could be on their radar based on what they did or, or didn't see at Iowa Pro Day. That's a very interesting aspect to look at there. Let's let's talk about Ohio State for a second here. Because- yeah. They're, they're a group that always has a lot of guys the Steelers look at. Of course, you have Cam Hayward, who loves to lead that. Now, a lot of people are going to talk about C.J. Stroud. Of course, the Steelers are way out on him. But players the Steelers could be looking at it are Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle, though a lot of people have him slated to go long before the Steelers get a chance to pick, but you never know. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I mean, he ran in the four fives in his 40-yard dash when yep. he was there. Uh, but he's not necessarily a blazer. He's more of a slot guy who's going to be really quick, cut you up, and get and get open. Um, also, offensive tackle Dewan Jones, another guy who's going to be a, he's the lesser known, he's the lesser liked of the Paris, uh, you know, compared to Paris Johnson, but still someone that everyone's looking at. There's Zach Harrison um, and Luke, uh, the edge rusher, Luke Weipler, the center. There's a lot of different options the Steelers could look at. There is there one that reasonably ticks your interest as far as this is someone the Steelers could not only be interested in, but could actually fall to them in a reasonable spot that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, Dewan Jones, we've talked about him a lot because, you know, he uh, went you know went crazy at the Senior Bowl. Everybody loved what they were seeing out of the big man down there in Mobile. You know, the, the wingspan measurement uh, 
you know, got his name out there. And then I, from what I've heard, he, he did pretty well in the drills. So he's, he's probably a right tackle only prospect. But the more that you look at these guys up close, in person, talk to – and it's not just what they're seeing, Chris. At these pro days, you know NFL folks, the coaches, the, the scouts, they're going around and they're beating up the ears of the assistants at, the, at these programs, um, you know, quality control coaches, uh, behind the scenes, you know, player personnel staffers. They want to, you know, get as much intel as they can while they're on the ground. And, you know, if you continue to, you know, pull at the thread of DeWan Jones, his position, flexibility, or, or lack thereof, you know, that, that could – uh, be a big pivot point for his stock. Uh, Luke Whipler, the center, yeah, he's interesting because I think with the Steelers, based on everything they've done at the interior uh, offensive line positions in free agency, I don't think they're going to draft one. But if they did, it would make sense to get you know a center in training behind Mason Cole, and maybe that's a pick that's there in you know, late third or or early fourth round for you. He's also from New Jersey, so they could have a nice. Jersey pipeline up the middle, center QB, Luke Whipler and Kenny Pickett. Um, and then, yeah, that just the last guy that, that I'll mention is Zach Harrison, who reminds me a little bit of Liao in the sense that this time a year ago, you were always seeing him in the way too early 2023 mock drafts because he's uh, he's big, he's he can move really well. Yeah, he's got that length. He just didn't produce much at Ohio State. And I think he actually took – some criticism from, you know, a former player or two that are basically like, we've got this guy who's on draft boards, but why isn't he getting more than four, four and a half sacks uh, in a season uh, or whatever his, his final numbers ended up being. So if he slips because of those concerns about his competitive nature or his motor, or just not being able to get it done against big 10 tackles, then maybe he gets to a point where you say, okay, we can do a lot worse than getting a developmental uh, defensive end in here who maybe we can mold him into something even if he was a bit of a disappointment in his college career I think the Steelers they've done that a few times I think the Marvin Leal's you know the kind of his, his guy whose his build is a bit different which is why he lines up on the outside a little bit more often than your average uh, rookie defensive lineman but who knows Mike Tomlin says he loves guys who, who bring multiples uh, in his way of saying first versatility uh, but the Steelers are going to keep looking at guys who do that. We'll keep track of everyone who they do visit on the pro days and keep you up to date with all their NFL draft options moving forward. Um, but that's what we have here for you today from the North Shore Drive podcast. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Anything that you got coming out that we need to tell uh, Steelers fans to look out for uh, on the, on the, at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette? Yeah, I mean, Friday, Steelers mailbag. I've uh, been doing those probably more like every other week now that we're into the off season, But uh, should have some good questions, some good stuff to – to bat around this week from the readers and I'll just, you know, put it on the radar. Now a week from today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, Pitt will have their annual pro day on the South side at the UPMC Rooney sports complex. So I'm sure I will find my way down there with you and I'm sure Noah will be there too, Chris. And uh, we, we can have a nice little meeting of the minds in person. Absolutely. I'm sure that'll, that'll produce some really great content as we find out. One thing we'll never find out though, is what, a sour cream raisin pie tastes like i'm just i'm never gonna do that to myself iowa get your lives together what are you doing out there in des moines anyways thanks again for checking out 
the North Shore Drive podcast. From Chris Carter and Brian Back, go check out all the Post-Gazette content at, at post-gazette.com. And also check out this show Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the North Shore Drive podcast, as well as all of our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette video and audio content that you can find on your favorite podcasting app, and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of that Pittsburgh Post-Gazette content. I'll be back Friday recapping the week on what happened with uh, with the rest of of um over at the rest of the Steelers week and maybe we'll get some look at other things going around in Pittsburgh sports as well. We'll see you then right here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just six dollars, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.